We're back and ready for the second half of the baseball season here on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. I'm Chris Towers, filling in for Adam Azer, who, congratulations, Adam Azer is the father of a beautiful baby boy, Heath Cummings and Scott White, also here. Would you like to say congratulations, Adam, as well? Enough Greg Bird talk already. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised he didn't name it Greg Bird, to be honest. We have a Greg Bird email. Congratulations, Adam Azer. We're very happy for you. Of course. Of course. Very happy for you and your beautiful wife. Did you guys enjoy the All-Star game? It was actually a fun All-Star game. It was very fun. It didn't get fun till late. Heath, did you it, watch the All-Star game? Fun final couple innings. I The home run derby was really good. Yeah? Uh, so that's a no on watching the All-Star game? I I don't. I, I didn't watch that. I did thing. not see one pitch of the All-Star game. I don't blame you. Okay, Scott, you probably disagree. You like the All-Star game, right? We've talked about this. I I don't think I've missed an All Star game since I first started watching baseball over. I think over the twenty five years ago. The allure of the All Star game is kind of gone a little bit with interleague play. I think that's how I feel because when I was a kid, I I remember being really excited to like watch Ken Griffey Jr. and like Roberto Alomar and Omar Vizquel and all these players that like I would only see in the playoffs otherwise. And and now, you know, MLB TV. Twitter highlights, everything. I can I can see all those guys. There's no player that I'm like missing out on. Yeah, what killed it for me was MLB at bat, I think. It's just I see every player every night through a variety of games. And so it's not quite as exciting. I, I don't know. It's, if, if you enjoy it, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It sounds like it was a very entertaining game. I didn't make the yeah. choice not to watch it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to watch the All-Star game. It's terrible. I just yeah. never turned it on. I mean, it's you don't see them all on the field together, and it's a looser environment. You know, you know what I love about All Star Game, and and maybe this is like, maybe this um, can sum up the difference because it, it it's it's a really mundane thing. But Mike, I just like Trout in game introductions at the beginning, like them going through and every every player individually waving at the crowd like that. I can't miss that. Like that to me is just. It, it's it's just something I have to see every year. I will tell you two standouts from this All-Star game for me. One, Francisco Lindor being interviewed in the middle of the game was just absolutely delightful in baseball. And pretty more pretty stuff much like all. That. Pretty much every, all, all of them except... game interviews were great, except all, for Trout. Except for Mike Trout, who just has <laughs> nothing interesting to say ever. And I think it was a bad idea for Rob Manfred to basically put him on blast in that way. But he wasn't wrong. Mike Trout is a... One other thing we learned during the All-Star game, sometimes it's better if you don't have anything to say. I don't know. Who who are we referring to? Oh! Yeah. No, we won't. Yeah. Okay. The other highlight was a player essentially being traded from the American League to the National League, essentially in the middle of the game, right? Like, that was when it started to be confirmed that Manny Machado was traded to the Dodgers, and that's what we'll talk about right now, because that's the biggest piece of news in Frankly, one of the only real pieces of news that we've gotten over the last couple of days since we last talked to you, Manny Machado, obviously traded to the Dodgers for a pretty interesting prospect haul, right, Scott? Yeah, only one of them's a big-name prospect, Yusniel Diaz. And when I say big-name, it's not like he's um, some mainstay on top 100 lists. He's He's, he's like a top 50 guy now, right? Uh I think I, no, I think I, mean, I saw he, Baseball he, America and Baseball Prospectus had him in their top fifty midseason. Okay, and he's had a good year. He's had one of his best years at Double A. Uh, gotten gotten on base a lot, more walks than strikeouts. Kind of reminds me a little of just Jesse Winker, except he's not 
quite the on-base hawk Winker is, but that similar profile where you, you good bat skills, but you're not sure how the power is going to play up at the highest level. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's certainly not a can't-miss prospect. I don't know that they could expect to get a can't-miss prospect with a rental. Those trades, you know, we had the Aroldis Chapman for Glaber Torres trade a couple years ago, but for the most part, rentals don't fetch that kind of prospect anymore. Um, but there are, there are a few other prospects like they're not they're not named prospects, but they're having interesting years in the minors. So anybody the fantasy owners need to know about besides Dusanel Diaz, who let's we'll give the the scanner report. You know, obviously we can talk about what Manny Machado the Dodgers means, but frankly, it doesn't change his value that much outside of AL and NL only leagues. Um, so Dusanel Diaz right. hitting three fourteen, striking out about fifteen percent of the time at Double A this year as a twenty one year old, uh, six homers. 20 extra base hits total in 59 games, so not a ton of power, but the kind of profile that we could see becoming maybe a 20-homer guy in the majors. Eight stolen bases, but here's the here's the weird thing. Eight stolen bases on eight on 16 attempts. That's actually his best stolen base percentage ever. 50%. Hmm. <laughs> For his career, <laughs> he has 24 stolen bases and 30 caught stealings. He is a... You know, I will say, he is a willing... It, base stealer he's not a bad yeah. kid he just gets <laughs> caught every time he does something wrong. not an able yeah. uh one so not yeah, I necessarily that's, I sure he's gonna try much of that in the majors uh so scott I, I, yeah tell us about I, the I other prospects the, the second most important uh interesting prospects of this group is dean kramer k-r-e-m-e-r who has huge strikeout numbers in the california league which is the most hitter friendly of all the minor leagues some impressive numbers there but it's a it's a prospect who wasn't even on my radar before this trade went through, and that's that's part of the the fun of trades like this is suddenly these guys become names just because they're involved in trades. And uh, I think maybe going forward we're going to hear Dean Kramer's name a little more. Well, with the the, the Oreos, the Orioles uh, <laughs> track record of getting the most out of pitching prospects, I think you have to be excited about Dean Kramer. I think you're being sarcastic, that, right? That seemed wah, like wah, it was wah. probably snark. No. Um, yeah. Hey, look, Dylan Bundy's come through for the most part, right? Yeah. It took a while. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do we think this means <laughs> for the Dodgers lineup? Um, obviously a team that early on looked like they needed help. Now they, they've had too many guys for too few batting order spots already where do we think is Manny Machado first of all is he going to play shortstop in Los Angeles I think mostly yes but they've also said he's going to play some third base mm -hmm. that I mean Justin third base is the position Justin Turner plays he's not one of the guys who moves around so when Manny Machado plays third base Justin Turner will be out of the lineup and you wouldn't think that would happen very often, but when everybody's healthy, which means Puig comes back from an oblique strain that shouldn't keep him out for very long, when everybody's healthy, somebody of note is going to have to be out of the lineup. I imagine it'll be a different somebody every day, but I feel like a player or two is probably going to take the brunt of that. Um, and if Turner's power stroke doesn't come around... It, it could be him. It could be Jock Peterson. It could be Puig himself. At first, I worried it could be Chris Taylor just because he isn't having the year he had last year. But I think his defense, like he's their, 
of all the bats they want in their lineup, he's the best center fielder and he's the best second baseman. So I think that'll keep him in the lineup for the most part. And they, and they need, like, we don't care about this for fantasy, but they need a couple of people that actually carry gloves with them onto the baseball field at a certain positions. Because they've done some really wacky things in terms of defensive positioning. I, I'm going to assume that we're just not... When everybody's healthy, we're not going to see Jock Peterson against lefties. I would assume that'll be the case. And then yeah. we're going to see Kemp slash Turner slash Puig, and occasionally the other guys too, when they're facing righties. Yeah, they've mentioned uh, already that Chris Taylor will play shortstop, second base, and the corner outfield as well as center field. So he'll he'll be in the lineup somewhere most days. I think. Uh, who loses the most value as a result of this trade, besides Manny Machado and AL only leagues? Oh, uh, probably be, probably Peterson, and yeah. I. I would be a little worried about Justin Turner and a little worried about Yasiel Puig. Basically, the Dodgers I feel good about. Dodgers hitters I feel really good about right now, are Machado, of course, uh, um, Cody Bellinger, and Max Muncy, with maybe Chris Taylor checking in fourth on that list. Okay. Let's move on to some injury notes. For the rest of the show, we are going to be talking about some of the pitching rotation and pitching news that has happened over the last couple of days. Sleeper pitchers for, are we calling this week 17? We're about to get to the really confusing part of the season where there's like three different well, it, numbers. Yeah, it really helped that we started the season with half of us dis- disagreeing already. Like from No, week we one agreed. On. We agreed. There was week one. And then there was yeah, whenever week two started. Exactly. Uh, so we're going to talk about some Week 17 sleeper pitchers, and that's just pitchers to possibly stream this weekend. We'll have Scott White. Scott White, do you have uh, some second-half breakouts? Did you see that in the notes? I do have a couple pitchers and yes. a couple hitters to Good. throw your Great. Way. We're going to talk about some of your top prospects. You did your mid-season top 25 prospects list, uh, so we'll talk about that. We're going to fire up the call-up-o-meter. You, know, you guys know that one? Don't know that one, but and, it'll be fun. You know I love my meters. I mean, any, you know Heath's always going to go ten and one, and I'm going to him and Ha and go. What, maybe what do you like mean? 6. I don't ever go ten and one. You're going to talk for about forty five seconds about how you feel about the situation without giving a number, and then I'm going to say nothing but the number itself. And we're going to have your emails on <laughs> fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and we'll have some second half hot takes. I call that bold bold predictions. Pr- bold I predictions. I'm not like hot takes. Uh, first, let's talk about some of the injury notes from the last couple of days. Wilson Ramos was placed on the disabled list with a hamstring injury. That'll keep him out potentially through the end of the month, which is an interesting situation because the Rays were definitely looking to trade Wilson Ramos. He was one of the bigger catchers available, and that creates some interesting situations with a team like Washington, who pretty desperately needs a catcher upgrade. So. That's something to keep an eye on. Yoan Assessment is homered, played first in a rehab game on Wednesday night. He has played three straight games and could be back as the Mets DH on Friday. Scott Shebler's on the DL with a sprain in his right AC joint. I am not happy that she- Scott Shebler is injured. I hope that he fe- is not in pain and he uh-huh. recovers quickly. But Jesse Winker, everyday baseball player. I mean, just, this is what we needed from... because. All th- four of those guys, really, are fantasy relevant to some degree. I think Adam Duvall's probably the least interesting, but... Yeah, I would have much m- more quickly sacrificed Adam Duvall's AC joint, but... But Jesse Winker now hopefully will play every day. Billy Hamilton hopefully will play every day, and he's been good since the start of June, or at least he's been 
the Billy Hamilton we hope to see. He's hitting like 270, stealing a bunch of bases, and Adam Duvall will hit home runs. Might be all he does, but... So that's that's the interesting news from there. Andrew Miller should be back from the DL after the All-Star break. Drew Pomeranz made his third and potentially final start uh, in his rehab assignment as he comes back from a biceps injury. He could be the replacement in the rotation for Eduardo Rodriguez. Any interest in Drew Pomeranz? Yeah. I mean, he's going to be pitching for a good team. Obviously has a pretty good track record. He wasn't throwing as hard as we're used to seeing before going on the DL, so it's not a surprise he struggled, but... He's back to form. I mean, I, I, he's worth a flyer in case he is back to form. My, my thing, and I, and I think it's probably something we should talk about on this show because a lot of people probably doing the same thing I did going in and saying, okay, I've got to get my lineup set for this week because we have one stupid game on a Thursday. Yeah. And I don't have an excess of roster spots. There are a lot of players, and this has been a trend I think Scott's talked about over the last couple of weeks. There have been more high-profile guys coming off the disabled list than going on it. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of players that are coming off the disabled list over the week, expected to come back Friday. Um, I'm dropping a lot more guys than I'm adding today and yesterday. Yep. Uh, Yeah, by the way, the Cardinals and Cubs do play tonight. Is that like a rain makeup or is that just um we just they really have, they have see the five games yeah this yep. three game week for everybody else yeah so like you're starting that, I, I'm, I'm starting in hep in a league yeah i mean it makes sense like the part of the like you can't fully take advantage of it especially with the cubs because they have so many guys they move in and out of the lineup hap among them zobris hayward pretty much anybody who's available is somebody who doesn't play every day so you can't expect them to play the full five games, but I mean, Cardinals, it when in doubt, if you're looking to add somebody off waivers this week, Cardinals and Cubs is not a bad idea just because two extra games, like basically twice as many games. And so, and I think on the long week, they have 12 games I saw, which is just ridiculous. So <laughs> Harrison Bader, Colton Wong, um, Jed Jerko, Jed Jerko, probably my favorite That's between the two of. teams. Yeah. Triple eligible, only like 20% owned on CBS leagues. So Albert even Almora. less than that on other sites, probably. Albert Almora has been hitting the ball really well uh, this season, so he's someone to consider. And a few other injury notes before we move on. Sean Doolittle threw off flat ground as he recovers from a toe injury. He could be back fairly shortly. And Glaber Torres is hoping to be back from his hip injury on July 23rd, so that'll be a, a nice one. What are your expectations for Glaber Torres in the second half? Do you think he's playing over his head? Yeah, the home run pace has to slow. Yep. Uh, he can make up in other areas, I think, because it's it's a fine like it's a it's a quality batted ball profile. Like he's it, not just selling out for homers. Um, yeah. Good line drive rate. I, right. I think he's good. All right, let's talk about some pitching notes, and then we'll look at pitchers for the weekend that you can possibly add to stream based on Scott White's sleeper pitchers for this weekend on cbssports.com slash fantasy. Pitching notes, DeGrom's agent basically asked for a trade. That is obviously Jacob DeGrom asked for a trade <laughs> from the Mets. I mean, he basically said, give me an extension or trade me. What are we doing here? He's basically saying he wants to be traded. He's under contract through next year as well, right? I believe so. Hmm. Okay. Well, just I mean, it's not like it's common practice to give a guy an extension extension a guy that high profile an extension 
couple right. of years out from free agency. Right, so. he's, he's asking for a trade. He's not really Seems asking like for it. an extension. I guess. Uh, Miles Michaelis will start Sunday versus the Chicago Cubs. Nick Tropiano will return from his injury against Houston. He had a 483 ERA, uh, been on the DL since June 15th. Probably don't have a lot of interest in him. And Jesse Hahn and Eric Skoglund began their rehab assignments for the Royals. Any interest at all in either of those guys? No. All right. Wow. If he doesn't, then I don't. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about sleeper pitchers for this weekend. Scott, who's your favorite? My favorite, and this is a guy who's bumping up against the 80% threshold, but my favorite is Kyle Gibson, who I feel like should be universally owned and um, probably would be if not for a 4-6 and six record. I mean, the ERA is good, the whip, the strikeout rate. In fact, he's facing the Royals. Guy goes seven innings consistently. I think you're going to pick him up if he isn't owned already, and, and you won't want to drop him. So over the last 365 days, he's made 30, 31 starts, uh, 348 ERA over 186 in the third innings, 8.6K per nine, 1.234 FIP, or uh, 1.234 ER, or Jesus, 1.234 whip. Whip. With a 292 BABIP, so not a lot of good luck there. Uh, he looks to be a much better pitcher then we probably gave him credit for coming into the season. So probably someone that you'll keep on your roster. Uh, anybody else on this list who you really want to talk about, Scott? Uh, well, I, John Besides, Gray looked good in his first start back. He's at the Humidor Chase Field. And I think when your options are limited this week, you gamble on the upside there. Uh, we'll talk about him a little more later, though. I think among those that are scarcely owned Spoiler. that pretty much everybody's going to have a chance to pick up. My favorite is Herman Marquez, who is his road numbers just keep getting better and better. He's also at Chase Field, obviously, 262 ERA, 0.98 whip, 9.2 strikeouts per nine innings in nine road starts. And his last start was actually against the Diamondbacks. It was a home start where he's terrible usually. And he had a really strong start against them. Two earned runs, six innings with eight strikeouts. He looks like a safe play, even if, you know, he may not be somebody you want to hold on to since he is so bad at home. Yeah, he has improved this season. Swinging strike rate is up. Strikeout rate up as well. You look at the FIP, and it's not a great story, but I think that's probably cores inflated. And the true talent level on the road, he has a 379 XFIP. That probably tells closer to what he is on the road. And if he's a mid to high three ZRA guy with a strikeout per inning, he's probably pretty useful every time mm -hmm. he's pitching on the road. Half the time, yeah. The, the two guys I'm excited about, and it's a lot of it has to do with matchup, but it's guys that have underperformed and have big upside and have great matchups, Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez. Now, who are they going up against? The Padres. That is a great situation for uh, both although, of those guys. Although, now we can probably not say the best matchup in baseball anymore. Because Will Myers oh, it's, is back? It's definitely the Royals. Oh, well, it's probably the Orioles now. Yeah. yeah. Those are the two lowest. Though, even though they have the DH, the Royals and Orioles are the two lowest scoring teams in the majors, which is pretty amazing in and of itself. God, and obviously the Royals the play Orioles. in a great park, too. That's, um, that's going to be really bad. They never walk. That's a bad lineup, yeah. I hadn't really <laughs> considered the ramifications of that, but the Orioles are going to be a team that you should probably target with your pitchers moving yep. forward. And facing them this week is the Blue Jays. 
Okay. So you'll get a you get a J Hap start against them. That'll probably be a good one. You'll probably yeah. get a I mean J Hap and Marcus Stroman are too owned to call sleepers. The yeah. other one is Sam Gaviglio, who's not somebody I can get excited about, but if you have to go really deep searching for a yeah, pitcher this week. I don't mind him as a sleeper against this team. He's got I think better stuff than we probably give him credit for. He just hasn't figured out how to use it yet. And the Orioles with Manny Machado this year are tied with the Padres for the lowest Woba in baseball. <laughs> so it's probably not going to get better. That's that's not great. All right, you guys want to do your bold predictions for the second half? Sure. Scott, you want to go first? We'll, we'll, we'll go round table. Scott goes first, round then table. Heath, then me. Okay, I have to how's this? Mine. Is this bold enough? You ready? Chris Bryant hits twice as many home runs as he hit in the first half. What, he hit 10? 10. He hits 20 in the second half. I could definitely see that happen. Monster, monster finish to the season. It really doesn't make sense, uh, the lack of power. I can't completely ignore it because it's it's you know it dates back to last year. It's it's a yeah. It's over a year long where this has been the case, but the batted ball profile suggests he still should be hitting lots of homers, ton of fly balls, um, you know, pretty good amount of hard contact, and it's just surprising that it's been so low. So I think he comes roaring back here, and if he doesn't come roaring back, it's seriously going to jeopardize his early round status i think heading into next year let's say he just continues on this pace how far does chris bryant fall for you next year is he a sec is he a second round pick or third round pick he's definitely not a second round pick you know just a couple weeks ago i did because like he hasn't been much i i I projected the first two rounds for next year based on obviously what we've seen so far this year and chris bryant was barely creeping into the, the second round still on that list. Like but he, that was giving him a lot of benefit of the doubt. He has if he barely, doesn't have a monster second half, he loses that benefit of the doubt. Probably slip, maybe slips to the fourth round, honestly. He's barely been better than Nick Castellanos this season. I'm yeah. not sure if he has been. I mean, the, the, the DL stint probably affects that, but even yeah, on a per-game basis, per game. I'm not sure he's been better than Nick Castellanos. Yeah. Heath, bold prediction? Oh, I thought we were doing two. Yeah. Scott gave two already? We're going round table, one each. Okay, I'll talk about the only player I'm allowed to talk about anymore. Jake Bowers will be a top 10 first baseman in the second half. In both formats? Definitely in points. Okay. Definitely in points. I don't know that he can be top 10 in Roto, but I, it's possible. Um, but I do think he will start. We'll see a little bit more power. Like Chris Bryant, he will probably hit more twice as many home runs as he hit in the first half as well. Part of that's because he only played 36 <laughs> games in the first he, half. He's going to hit six in the second half? But he's only going to play like 60. He hit five in the first half in 36 games. He hits 10 in the second half, gives him 15, steals seven or eight bases. The average, I would not be surprised, but it's a little bit higher as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, top 10, that might be bold. I'm going to go a little bolder. Uh, that's pretty bold. I'm starting him over Edwin Encarnacion this week. Yeah, that one's interesting. I'm not sure I would do that. Scott? What was the top option again? I'm starting Jake Bowers at first base over Edwin Encarnacion. <laughs> uh, for this week... It is an extended week. Oh, an extended week. But, so he but has, Encarnacion's a little banged up. He has 10 games to Encarnacion's 9, and 6 of those yeah. games are against the Marlins and Orioles. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. 
And sorry for not listening. I was thinking about my next bold prediction. I was hoping you were going to say you were like thinking about food or something. That would have been better. No, that would have been more no. more understandable. I'm going to go with a bold <laughs> prediction that builds off one of my second half breakouts from Tuesday's or Monday's episode, whenever we did that. Yoan Moncada will be a top five second baseman in the second half of the season Ooh. in rotisserie scoring. He Ooh. is, uh, of late, over the last about 20 games, he has really cut down his strikeout. Right now it's still very high. It's 28% or something over the last 20 games. He's always going to strike out a lot, but he makes really, really good contact. He's fast. All he needs is just, just be bad at striking out. Just strike out a lot instead of as much as Joey Gallo. And I think he can be a 280 hitter with 10 home runs and 15 steals I, in the second half. I don't think you thought this went through. Why is that? Uh, is Yohan Moncada going to be better than Jose Altuve? No. Is he going to be better than Jose Ramirez? No. Is he going to be better than Ozzy Albies? Maybe. You don't believe that. Is he going to be better in Roto than D. Gordon? No. Is he going to be better than Brian Dozier? Second half Brian Dozier? Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see him being better. Look, it's bold. Okay. <laughs> I, it's bold. Oh, and Max Muncy. relying on a little, little, uh, little good fortune. Max Muncy? It's bold. Max Muncy? Okay, look, you're, you might be using Jose Ramirez at third base. You might be using Max Muncy. That does not outfield. change the fact that he's not a top five second he's, baseman. He's going to be a top five second base only player in the second half. Second base only player. Okay, that, I buy that because that eliminates Ramirez, Gordon, and Max Muncy. So there you go. <laughs> Scott? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you want another bold prediction? I do. That's the whole point. That is the point of the exercise. My other bold prediction is that A.J. Minter is the Braves' closer for the rest of the season. Erodus Vizcaino's course is on the DL right now with shoulder inflammation. It's not thought to be a serious injury, but it's on the heels of... Um, well, I think it's the second time It's the second the time injury, he's had a shoulder frankly. injury, yeah. Yeah. So the thought is Minter... With maybe some Dan Winkler's going to fill in, and this guy, you know, will just take the job when he gets back. He's been fine in the role, whatever. But I just feel like the Braves really, really want AJ Minter to be their closer. I feel like this is the momentum he needs to just kind of take the job and run with it. He had some control issues early in the year, uh, but since the start of May, only five walks, and since the start of June, only two walks. You know, he's getting his fastball up to 98, 99 again, more than a strikeout per inning. And I think he's going to do well enough that they just don't give the job back to this guy, you know, once he's ready to go. So that's a bold prediction. Hopefully it's bold enough for you. It's it's fine. Like he is currently the Braves closer, right? He's yeah. I mean, if I had to pick. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm saying rest of season now. OK, so he will keep his job. No, he's a fill-in <laughs> closer, Heath. Come on. Such Come on. Jerk. Clearly, Heath, it's not bold enough. Let's hear me. your extremely bold prediction that nobody can question because it's just so bold. Carlos Rodon will be the fourth best left-handed starting pitcher in the American League in the second half. That is bold. I can't compete I'm with that like, <laughs> Who's his competition? Like, like, who, who's who's he going to be better than him? Second base? Who's he going to be better than? Let's Let's... Let's let's talk about it that way. Is he going to be better than James Paxton? Oh, I'm going to give you all the names that he's going to be better than. Okay. I'll just go down. David Price oh, is sure. a left-handed pitcher in the American League. That's fine. Yes. Dallas Keuchel. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, Jay Hep. This is not, not very. This is not Sean Manaya. This is not bold. This uh-huh. is extremely unbold. The fourth best left-handed pitcher this in is, the American League. This is italicized. He's Marco Gonzalez. I mean, it's it's reasonably bold to say he's going to be better than all those guys who've Andrew played Heaney? better than him so far. But we're not even. You said top four in the AL, right? The AL that couldn't fit Blake Snell on its all-star roster initially. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that bold. He's not. He's not going to be better than it's Blake. It's not now. that bold. It's not that say, bold. It's not that. To bold. say Carlos Rodon's going to be a top four pitcher in the AL, a left-handed pitcher. Oh, did I miss the left-handed part? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So who is it? It's Snell Paxton. Um, There's a guy for the Red Sox that throws really hard. Sale. Uh, Chris yeah. wrote a piece about him. Those those three, and then Rodon, the big four lefties in the American <laughs> League. That's not no. bold at all. I'm going to go bold. How about this? In the second half of the 2018 Major League Baseball season, Garrett Cole will not be a top 20 starting pitcher in rotisserie fantasy scoring. Top 20 pitcher. Okay. How about Whoa. that? Whoa. Wait, yeah, so like, you just threw the relievers in there too? Yeah, I mean, they're not that good. Is that bold enough? That's certainly bolder that's, than yours. That's bold. I mean, I if... It's bolder see. than throwing maybe, three maybe splits. Garrett find, Cole has not like, been... If... if if that would surprise most people, and it would surprise me if he doesn't finish in the top 12 rest of season. I said top uh, 20. Top 20, sorry. It would surprise me if he didn't do that. So I would say that's bold, because I would be surprised if that doesn't happen. And you're predicting that uh, he's been the number five finish pitcher. outside of the top 20. So that's bold enough for me. He's I'll been the number five pitcher so far this season. And he's yeah. not been in the top 20 for the last two months. He probably has been. Lots of strikeouts. He's been good. He hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been like super best ace. pitcher in baseball. Good that he was in April. All right, let's Scott. Let's talk about some second half breakouts for you. How many do you have? I know you've got some pitchers and some hitters. I've got a couple pitchers, a couple hitters. I'm going to be writing a column for each of these later, so I'll have even more. I think good. he's. Jake Bauer's suggestion is probably going to wind up on the list. Yeah. Uh, hitters for me it also includes Jesse Winker, who we've gotten into a little today. Uh, but he's been basically over the last six weeks, he's been like a thousand OPS guy, tw- like a twelve hundred OPS guy because he walk, he gets on base so much, and you know, just hitting for a decent amount of power, a twenty to twenty-five homer guy. That kind of pace uh, makes him just a complete monster for how much he gets like almost like almost like a mini Joey Votto, frankly. And if he's playing regularly, um, if the batted ball profile, if if it, if he continues to live up to that, which is, you know, the, the, the power he's shown recently is more in line with that than what he was doing earlier in the season. If uh, he carves out this everyday role for himself uh, it, it could be huge. And I went, I took the step of actually, you know, this is obviously kind of a gut feeling sort of thing. I actually dropped Kyle Tucker for him in a points league, but Kyle Tucker's like twice his own as Jesse Winker. Sure. Um, and so I, I went ahead and made the move to do that. So since May 24th, he is hitting 341 with a 461 on base percentage and a 1017 OPS. He strikes out. 12.9% of the time in that span. He walks about 18% of the time. He's not hitting for a ton of power, like you said. It's 
35. Yeah, it's been more recent. That's yeah. been more like the last. Well, that weeks. that's when he hit his first home run. That's why I okay. like to. He hadn't hit a home run in his first 44 games of the season. His last 41, he has seven. So that's probably 25 homer pace over the course of a full season. But that just shows how good the contact abilities are and how good the plate discipline is for him. He's been a lot better than I think most people realize this season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, playing time has had something to do with that. The yep. slow start has had a lot to do with that. And he's but, gotten yeah, to he's avoid coming around in a loud way. And he's gotten to avoid lefties, so that that helps too. He's not terrible against them. No, he has a seven thirteen, and that what seven thirteen OPS. And what you're hoping for, we talked about it a lot with like Andrew Benintendi, is you're just hoping these guys can hold their own against lefties. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who's your uh, next breakout? Do you want to go with a pitcher or a hitter? Well, the other one we've already talked a little about is John Gray, who I think, I mean, we've, we've gone over the numbers before, but when he got sent down, he had top 12 FIP, top 12 swinging strike rate. Uh, big improvement over last year, by the way. I was kind of skeptical coming in about him coming into this season because the swinging strike rate just didn't match up with the strikeout rate, and particularly with the unfavorable home environment. I wasn't sure that was going to hold up, but he has been his pitches have been more overpowering this season he and was he's just had this issue with runners on base that he's never had in the past before yeah uh but the numbers are were just dreadful against them and uh it, it led to this kind of snowball effect every time every time things started to go wrong for him he only got two starts in the minors and obviously not many runners reached against him so i don't know that he's worked it out but since it's something that he hadn't really struggled with in the past i think it's just a small change he's going to need and if he makes that change, he could be an ace the rest of the way, a guy who just spent some time in the minors. Yeah, he was weirdly hittable uh, last season, had an 80% contact rate for his career at 75.6%. And this season, that's down to 71%. So he induces a lot of swings and misses. Last season, he didn't, but he's still got a decent number of strikeouts. He's taken both of those skills to the next level. I the, And we... Heath, I think you and I talked about this on Monday or Tuesday. The one issue with John Gray is, yes, he has a 319 Sierra and a 283 XFIP and a 303 FIP, and all of those, I think, are top 10 marks in baseball. He's probably not going to reach them just because of where he pitches his home games. You know, for his career, he has a 336 FIP and a 465 ERA. Last season, he had a 318 FIP and a 367 ERA, but... But he it's looks a really like, low FIP. He doesn't right. have to reach it to be really good. Yeah, if he's half a run worse than his FIP for the rest of the season, he's a 350 ERA pitcher with a, with 11 Ks per nine. So that's still really good. And I think that's the takeaway. One, yes, sir. Uh, two more breakouts from Scott White. All right, Jerickson Profar, I think, is going to break out. He's already been usable this year, especially in points leagues because good plate discipline and um, – and a lot of extra base hits, not so much home runs. But I, you look at the batted ball profile, and it's, it seems like he's had a lot of bad luck. His bad is only about 250, 250, despite a high line drive rate and a not-so-high fly ball rate, which can often hurt BABIP. And yet the fly ball rate isn't so low that you expect it to limit his home runs in a severe way. Yep, so not, I think... Not a ton of infield uh, fly balls either or pop-ups. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's uh, I think he's had some bad luck, and I think the best is yet to come. The thing, and, and this is, we have had two presidential elections since Jerks and Profar made his major league debut. 
<laughs> and he's only 25. Yeah. It's incredible. And this was a guy who was, you know, I don't know if he was the best prospect in baseball. He was. He was. At, at baseball America had him as number one the year he debuted, I think. Yeah, and he got called up really fast, has gotten kind of jerked around in his playing time, has had injury issues. I think he had – did he have Tommy John? Or was it a shoulder issue? I think it was shoulder. Yeah, he had some serious injury issues, and they've kind of derailed his career, but still only 25. He has nine homers, eight steals, 50 runs scored, and 46 RBI in 85 games. He's on a 90-90 a pace almost. So, you know, if, if the batting average corrects, he could be a 270 hitter with, you know, potentially 20-20 potential. Yeah, I think, I think in points leagues, you know, I – I might be willing to make the bold prediction if he could be top five at second base. And obviously he's eligible in more spots than, than Yohan Makata is. Um, you know, Roto leagues, it'll be a little tougher because I don't, I don't expect a huge home run total from him, but. He is eligible everywhere except he for could catcher be, and pitcher. He could be before this power explosion from Jose Ramirez. I think he could be what Jose Ramirez was. I think that's the upside for Jerickson Profar. And one more pitcher breakout. Let's hear it. I'm going to go with old standby, Domingo Herman, <laughs> who's fluctuated between great and bad. Um, but I just think I think the stuff I think the stuff is rare for any pitcher, much less a rookie pitcher, in terms of getting swinging strikes on three different pitches, and with a little better consistency, I, I think he could be a stud. I do wonder if he'll get the opportunity because you assume the Yankees are going to be buyers. And well, I think Sonny Gray would probably get ousted before Herman does. Uh, at some point, Herman could run into an innings issue as well. But I would, I know he's been getting, he seems to be getting, he seems to show up on the most dropped list every time he has a bad start. I know I hear a bit on Twitter every time he has a bad start. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to level off here in in the most in the most positive way. He feels like 2017 Nick Pavetta to me. Like he's just interesting enough to not write off. But well, that wouldn't that also be 2018 Nick Pavetta? Well, Nick Pavetta's uh, ERAs a run yeah. lower, and his FIPS a run lower, and his Sierras a run lower. Like he's been. Okay considerably better it's, it's a high four zra though like i don't think everybody look you're totally a high four zra okay <laughs> and, I, and i want to go back to the pro four thing because it made me think of a, a decent deeper league or just roto only breakout okay. and it's a similar guy it's at alberto mondesi okay uh guy Good. made glad. His, made his debut a long long time ago but is still just 22 years old this is uh raul he had a different name when he made his debut that yes. was that was so long he's a different person Yes. Uh, has a dad and a brother named Raul as well. Well, I get, I get why you'd want to go by a different name. Yes. That'd yes. get confusing I, at dinner. Exactly. Raul so, passed yeah. the potatoes. He, he started to show a little progress before the break. He has big stolen base potential. It's still too small of a sample size to get too excited about his batted ball data, but it looks a lot better than it did the last couple of times that he's been up. And so uh, there, there's a chance that uh, he makes a pretty big impact in Roto in the second half. He's still... It's it's a question of whether he can hit for power. He either needs to hit for more power for me, or he needs to stop striking out because he's still striking out twenty seven percent of the time. That's true. And the profile doesn't necessarily suggest that there's a lot of power there. He did hit 
13 homers last season at AAA. He had five before getting called up. But like that's the difference between him and and obviously it's a different caliber of prospect, but Yohan Mankata, where if Yohan Mankata strikes out 27% of the time, I'm thrilled because I think he can be a star. Mondesi probably needs to get to like the Delano de Shields like 20% range. Yep. And he doesn't walk at all. Yeah. Which doesn't help. But he, he runs. Some other notes before we move on to the last couple of segments of the show. The Nationals could revisit a deal for JT Rail Muto, so that's something to keep an eye on. He could be a second-half breakout, if only because he'll have more counting stat opportunities. Well, can you be a breakout when you've been the best catcher in fantasy? Like, Evan Gaddis has been what the is, best catcher in fantasy. What's he going to break out to? Well, he, he could maybe not break out, but he could have better RBI and run numbers hitting in that lineup than he does in the Marlins lineup. Um, I put the Indians are interested in Andrew Miller. In the notes, I would hope they're interested in Andrew Miller, but they are also, in addition, interested in Brad Hand. That's something to keep an eye on with Brad Hand because he would pretty obviously not be the closer uh, in Cleveland. Are we sure? So, I guess Shaw's had a bad season, right? His ERA is like in the four range. Uh, I'm not sure, actually, but it's been it. Their bullpens without Andrew Miller, it's been it's been bad. Yeah, uh, let me look that up. Sorry, not not Shaw. Cody oh. Allen has a four sixty six. I think he can, I was one, he can definitely replace Shaw. That's who I was thinking. Of. <laughs> Cody yeah. Allen has a four sixty six ERA. The FIP is four twenty eight. So he has been pretty bad this season. The entire bullpen really has had issues keeping the ball in the yard. Every single pitcher that's currently in their bullpen, with the exception of Oliver Perez and Brandon Geyer, who's only pitched one inning has a home run per nine above 1.4. That's a problem. So I yeah, guess Brad Hand I, could be the closer in, in, in Cleveland, but I, I probably wouldn't expect it. I mean, Cody Allen's a fine closer. It's it Part of the reason you were always halfway predicting Andrew Miller would take over at some point, because there, it really was no contest which was the better between the two of them, Miller yeah. and Allen. If, if Miller does come back healthy and is able to contribute in the second half and they do acquire Brad hands you'd have to think both of them being lefties they'd want to save a left like what they and instead of having two lefties bridge to the ninth they'd want to have one actually pitch the ninth so I I don't know that he I don't know that hands would definitely be out of a closer gig but it's possible no matter where he goes uh, that that he could end up playing second fiddle and not get saves anymore, which would be sad because he's a great closer. Any but. closer candidates in uh, San Diego to keep an eye on? Their, well, their whole bullpen is pitching well. Part of that is Pecco. Part of that's just they've got a lot of guys getting a lot of strikeouts. Kirby Yates has been the best yep. of them. Uh, 143 yeah, he, would be, he would be the replacement. But, you know, Hand signed already signed long-term. There's a chance Kirby Yates is the one traded instead of Hand. Like, sure. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion Hand's going to get traded like it was with Machado and, um, you know, some of these other guys with expiring contracts, basically. All right, Alex, other notes. Alex Bregman homered in the All-Star game, got robbed in the home run derby because he doesn't hit his dongs far enough and didn't get the bonus time. It's the worst rule in sports. <laughs> No, <laughs> I, clearly, I would argue clearly that. not. There are dozens of worse. Uh, no, no, there are dozens of more impactful bad rules. 
But this like, one is it's the just home awful. run derby. Yeah, I enjoy the home run derby, but I enjoy it because it's a fun light spectacle. Like yeah. outrage over the home run derby just doesn't compute for me. And Josh Hader will not be suspended for his uh, bad tweets as a teenager. Let's move on to Scott White's top prospects. Well, let's blaze through this, Scott. What we're going to do is do the call up o meter, which is a, it's a little different. It's zero through five. Okay? You okay. got that? Zero, no way he's getting called up. We're not doing okay. all 25. We're just doing the guys that you think have a chance to get called I can, up. I can do because, you know, usually it's two numbers I'm debating between. Yeah. So, I, yeah, the five. This, scale, oh, are you using like, decimals? No, no decimals. Okay. It's one, zero through decimals. five, so technically it's six numbers. Zero is not a number. Mm, you're not a number. Vladimir <laughs> Guerrero Jr., what are the chances he gets called up? Three. Okay. He has been playing again, uh, been playing technically on a rehab assignment, but he's going to start back at AAA. He left off at AA. So that, I think, pushes it into the possible range that he does get the call, but it'll take him... You know, hitting the ground running basically, because uh, I think if we get, I think if we get to late August and he's not up yet, there's no reason to open that can of worms. Well, that was the question I was going to have because the September call-ups don't open that can of worms, right? September uh, call-ups do not count yeah, for I service guess. time. So, are we counting September not... call-ups? <sighs> I should know this. What are the chances we see him in 2018 in the majors? Oh, if we're counting September call-ups, then I'll say it's five. I think we'll see him in September. Okay. I mean, we did it with Acuna last year. I think it's I think it's a comparable situation to that. Acuna was obviously too good for the minors by this point last year. Okay, I'll and, say four. And uh, they just kept holding out. Eloy Jimenez. Uh, that, that I'm going to call four. I think there's a better chance of that. Uh, beat writers have basically... He's hurt right now, right? Written like it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, but it's, it's not a long-term injury. He'll be back very shortly, and I think he'll be up. Four. Fernando Tatis. You don't even care what my number is. I want to give a number. I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> you said a four. I'm going to call both. that a two. Fernando Tatis Jr. a two. I'd bet against it. Yeah, I'll say one. 19. Forrest Whitley. I will go three there. He's also hurt with a strained oblique. Uh, but when he first got back from his suspension, he was lighting it up. And I think the Astros. Might call him up to help out of the bullpen. Best pitching prospect in baseball, right? It's the first one he named, so yeah. Two. Brendan Rodgers having a a little bit of a disappointing season at AA, I guess? Or is he at AAA? He is at AA. And hasn't, hasn't exactly lit the world on fire. Doesn't have great plate discipline, but his hit tool has overcome that so far, but... What are the chances? I mean, we see 17 Brandon homers, 11 steals, 854 OPS. At least that's what it was when I wrote the column. That, I yeah, mean, that would play. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it's not. It's one of the few rocky stops that's not extremely hitter friendly. And obviously, he's going to an extremely hitter friendly park in the majors, which is a big part of what's always impacted my rankings with him. But is it obvious he's going there this year? No, it's not. I'd give it a three. I think it's possible. I'll say uh, two. Michael Kopech, Chicago White Sox pitching prospect. That you're skipping all the ones. 
Yeah. If you're doing that on purpose. Yeah, I'm just doing the ones that you 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 gave a chance to. There's a lot of guys. We okay. we gotta move, you know. We gotta. So I gotta so I'm not actually going to give flowing. one when we do this exercise. Okay, so Michael Kopech, I'm gonna give a three also. He's oh. been pretty bad, but he's been pretty bad at AAA, and certainly looked this spring like he was going to get a chance this year. Now it's in question. I'll say four. Yeah, walking almost six batters per nine, uh, but also striking out more than twelve per nine. Uh, Mitch Keller, starting pitching prospect for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'll call that one a two. Sure. He's been good, and he's up to AAA now, but I don't know why the Pirates. They don't really have much incentive to call him up. Keston Hura? Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? Sounds right to me. Uh, number nine pick in the 2017 draft for the Milwaukee Brewers. Has a career 924 OPS. He's at AA right now. Chances we yeah. see him this season. Really good hitter. Kind of a Scooter Jeanette profile. What Scooter Jeanette has become, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not what we thought he was years ago. Um, I think it's probably like a three. If the Brewers trade for Brian Dozier, let's yeah. say, it drops to a one. They really need help in the middle infield. Yeah. Like Tyler Saladino has played well, and I liked Tyler Saladino as a sleeper last year, but he's... That's not the answer at either middle infield spot. Or the uh, Brewers could trade for Scooter Jeanette himself. Bring it back. I don't think they will. Say we're sorry. I don't think the Reds are going to trade him. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think they might get Whit Merrifield. Sure. Possible, yeah. It's a good Milwaukee Brewers player. Well, and there's a there's that Brewers-Royals trading connection. They've, they've done a lot oh, of the, the, the famed Brewers-Royals trading yeah. connection. <laughs> yeah. Luis Arias. That one looks pretty likely. I'll call that a four. I'm going to say a five. You bet your ESC's coming up. And Austin yeah. Riley, another team who, not an obvious need at third base, but I don't know if Johan Camargo is the long-term answer, and Austin Riley has really come on this year as a prospect. He has. He's missed time recently with a sprained knee. I think that slowed the momentum. And I think Johan Camargo's... Um, done well enough that it's not clear this version of Riley would be an op- upgrade. He could, you know, he's only 21. He could use a little more time there. So I'll call it a three. The Braves have also been men. They were mentioned in the Machado talks, though. I don't think that was ever realistic. Mike Moustakis, you keep hearing that name. Um, it's possible they stick with Camargo. It's possible they bring in someone else from the outside. I think Riley's chances are dropping by the week as opposed to rising. So the best minor leaguers to stash... I think Eloy Jimenez is probably at the top of that list. I'd still go Vladimir Guerrero over him, even though he's... I, I gave Eloy Jimenez a higher... I, I put him higher on the call up meter just because, I mean, if Guerrero gets called up, like, that's obviously the guy you want. Like, he's just... It's him and everybody else among prospects right now. All right, and let's move on to emails to close out the show. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Morgan has a question. Dear Fred, Bam Bam, and Barney. He's a 12-team head-to-head categories league with OPS, quality starts, and strikeouts. He has a conundrum. He's looking to fortify his pitching and all of these guys on waivers. How would you rank them? Vince Velasquez, Carlos Rodon, Steven Matz, Zach Wheeler, and Luke Weaver. Again, Velasquez, Rodon, Matz, Wheeler, Weaver. I go Velasquez, Weaver... Wheeler, Rodon, and Mats. 
Okay, but Matt's last. It Velasquez sounds like he would go Rodon first. Yeah, I think I would go Rodon, Velasquez, Weaver, Wheeler, Matt's. Okay, AL only, eight-team league. Guy in his league lost Machado yesterday and freaked out trying to replace <laughs> him. Uh, grade the trade. He gives ba- Devers, Matt Olson, and Randall Grichik gets Aaron Judge. Man, this is an A++ in like a normal kind of league. Yeah. In an AL only league, that does change the math a little bit. Okay. Eight teams, mm-hmm. I think, makes it closer to just a regular type of league. So I will still give you a B on this trade. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's I was not, thinking B plus. Yeah. So we're in the same. Not as great as it sounds. All right. Since we since Adam's not here, but he is celebrating a joyous life occasion, we do have to get some Greg Bird talk on the podcast. Ryan from Boston, a Yankee fan in Red Sox territory. Objectively, I think Chris and Heath would be excited about Greg Bird if his name wasn't Greg Bird. Look at the data. 40% hard contact rate, 47% fly ball rate, 55% pull rate. He's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting the ball in the air to where Yankee Stadium's short porch should help him. I understand he hasn't broken out, but why isn't this someone I should be excited about stashing? Seems like he'd easily get hot and hit 15 homers in the second half. He absolutely could get hot and hit 15 homers in the second half. I don't think there's anybody here who questions that. I think the, the, the crux of the discussion has been that we give this guy, some of us, give this guy credit for something he's never really done, or he's only done for a month at a time. And there are so many third ba- first basemen out there who can do what he, even the best version of him projects to do, that it, I don't know. I like it. Mm-hmm. He needs to be a lot better than what we've seen for me to get excited about him. There are probably two, three dozen hitters who I could see like exploding with the 20 homer second half out of left field, you know? And he's among them. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, unfair it's kind of unfair frankly to him to always single him out as the guy because he hasn't done it and he's there's obviously been a lot of excuses that could be made but until he does it that's not who he is explanations explanations not excuses oh okay um (laughs) ryan has a point here we bash on greg bird excessively because of adam azer it's a bit yes um he does have that potential in the second half he also has the potential to be terrible. He's a fine guy to have in your corner infield spot in a Roto League. All right, another one from Matt. Another Yankees question for Adam. Aaron Boone was on a podcast with CeCe and Ryan Rucho, Rucho today when the conversation turned to Justice Sheffield starting pitching prospect. Boone said he's putting himself in the conversation to be a part of the mix really soon. Given how he's pitched at AAA, where he has a 2.53 ERA in 57 innings, how stashable is Justice Sheffield? He has a really high walk rate. Yeah, 4.0 for the season, 3.8 per nine in AAA, and the strikeout rate has gone down quite a bit since getting to AAA. Did he? He didn't quite crack my midseason top 25. He no, was he right was on the, the fringe discussion. there. Uh, but the only reason he would have is because of proximity. Because, yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like he could come up and be that guy. And, and maybe, maybe he'd overcome those control issues right away. 
Maybe he never does. Or maybe he's Blake Snell and takes a year and a half to do it. But regardless, I don't think I don't think that's going to be somebody who's must-add the moment he gets called up. And, and he doesn't profile to be an ace. Like, I mean, he has a lot of strikeout potential. Yeah. He throws very hard. But he's not someone who, throughout his career as a prospect, it's not you know, uh, a Michael Kopech type of prospect. It's not a, you know, even a Lucas, Lucas Giolito type of prospect. And obviously those are, Lucas Giolito is a very good example of why those prospect rankings might not matter all that much when it comes to pitching. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect, but I mean, they get hitters wrong all the time too. It's he, but he's not the kind of guy that every scout looks at in season eights. Yeah. He's not Forrest Whitley. I will say he's, he's historically, shown up higher on the prospect list than his numbers would suggest he should be. But so, I mean, they, they do like him a lot. He reminds me of Billy Wagner and Billy Wagner, you know, a short stature has a lot to do with that. Billy Wagner obviously wound up being a closer instead of a starter. That wasn't always obvious when he was coming up through the Astros system. Um, I think if Sheffield doesn't overcome these control issues, he's going to have real issues pitching deep into games and could, Face meet a similar fate as a reliever instead of a starter, and there's no guarantee, obviously, that it'd be a closer. It just depends on what scenario he winds up in. So I don't love him for dynasty purposes, but there's definitely upside there. All right, one, two more emails: Bob Ray and Cedric, which I, it's some kind of super esoteric Seinfeld reference about two guys who beat up Kramer. I don't know. In a 12-team head-to-head points <laughs> leagues, if Cespedes comes off the DL in the next few days, he will have, uh, Buster, will have an open DL spot on his roster. Which starting pitcher would you want to stash of this group? Marco Estrada, Irvin Santana, Ian Kennedy, Jake Junis, or Drew Pomeranz? I don't think Jake Junis will be an option. Okay. I expect he's going to come off the disabled list um, about the same time that Cespedes does. Okay. It sounds like Pomeranz. Pomeranz may as well. I, I mean, it has to be Santana. Yeah, he I, might not rehabilitation be. from yeah. this finger injury hasn't finger surgery. I think it was hasn't gone well. Last the couple last, of starts have been a lot better. Okay, so hopefully he's trending the right way. Yeah, and and he he might be back within the next week. Yep. And Blake, based on Heath's outlook for D Gordon in the second half, he traded Carlos Rodon and Ronald Acuna in a roto league for D Gordon. Grade the trade. I'll give it a B plus. Acuna and who else for D Gordon? Carlos Rodon. Well, Heath, president of the Carlos Rodon fan club, is giving it a B plus. Then I have to give it at least that, right? I'll give it a B plus also. Okay, that's it. That's today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with one game of worth of baseball to talk about. So that'll be <laughs> exciting. We'll be pre- previewing. Week 17.5? Uh, it's 18.25, I think. Okay. Okay. 18.25. Uh, well, let's qu- start Carlos Rodon. Or maybe it's 16.75. Start Carlos Martinez and Kyle Hendricks tonight? Yeah. Start both. Yep. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with more fantasy baseball. Congratulations, Adam. We'll see you guys later. <laughs>